Hey everybody, it's Doug Bursch, and you're listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. What if I were to tell you someone is taking over your life? Taking over what you focus on, what you talk about, what you tweet about and post on Facebook. It's an insidious plan. Guess who's taking over your life? It's not Satan. It's trending topics. We're going to talk about the danger of being led by trending topics. And maybe that actually is a tool of Satan. Trending topics and who should really lead our life on a day-to-day basis on The Fairly Spiritual Show. They say that I cannot do what you've called me to. It is not possible, unattainable. I will never see it through, but you've spoken by your word. Your Holy Spirit's leading me. You are my only one. You're the only one worth living for. So I'm dreams with you well hell ever <laughs> i'm not gonna edit that out sound like i just said hell well i did because i was gonna say well hello everybody and i stopped halfway but let's just go that's so you just know this is almost like a live podcast and that i don't edit anything out i just go for it hello everybody this is the fairly spiritual show i'm doug bursch and uh was that beginning provocative enough I tried to have a hook there. Is someone controlling your life? I don't know how to make people listen to this show. Actually, I do know. I should just have more provocative titles. That's how you do it. If you have a title that tells you what it is, people won't listen. But if I made it something like uh, Everyone Hates Bill O'Reilly or What's Wrong with the Pope or um, I I don't know, Taylor Swift is Satan, uh, people would, you know, they would listen, right? They would share it. That's the world we live in, right? Clickbait. It's sad. Some of my favorite shows, some of the favorite things I've ever written, I've thought, man, this is really good. Just can't get anyone to listen. But if I write something negative or it looks provocative, it's amazing what people will listen to. In fact, uh, before I do a show, I'm, I'm always thinking about the title and trying to figure out, you know, what what title will make someone listen to this thing? What title will... Get someone to click. And the sad truth is, it's not if it's a title about something that people need in life, like how to have a healthy marriage. How to have a healthy marriage does not make people click on a podcast. How to grow in your relationship with your kids. People don't click. But something provocative like what's wrong with progressive Christians are how the evangelical church is ruining the witness of Christ or why nuns are leaving the church. And it could be nuns like millennials or nuns like, uh, you know, Catholic nuns, but something provocative people will click on, Uh, which kind of reminds me of the topic of today's show, uh, trending topics and how living our life for trending topics might be actually ruining our life and ruining our Christian witness. I was actually reading through, I've been going through Mark in our church, and we came to uh, this great story where Jesus seems to be not telling the truth. 
Or at least he's not telling the truth that people want him to tell. He's being a little coy. He's not answering the questions that the people want him to answer. And it's a great story. And to me, it's very applicable to what's happening in our culture today. Uh, There's some religious leaders, Pharisees, religious leaders, scribes. It's the whole group, the group that's just out to get him. And they're trying to trick him. And so it's one of those, hey, we have a question we just want a simple answer to. But there's a subtext. There's something deeper there. There's something they're trying to do. They're trying to trick him. And Jesus doesn't play their game. He doesn't let them set the agenda for his life. And it made me think about how so much of what we're doing on a daily basis is letting someone else set the agenda for our life. We're letting trending topics set the agenda for our life, and we might even be letting Satan set the agenda for our life. Who's setting the agenda for your life? There's some really big problems, and I want to address those. But before I get to that, a couple things. Uh, This podcast was recorded or is being recorded, not in front of a live audience, but is being recorded in the month of October. And October is Pastor Appreciation Month, so go out there and appreciate your pastor. Remember, you can only appreciate him or her in October. After that, nothing but scorn and ridicule. November is Pastor Depreciation Month, so you got to get that appreciation in. So... Again, do something. I know some people are like, I don't want to you know, celebrate some artificial day. Just do something. And, and don't do something that makes it worse. Like, don't... Okay, I'm just going to make you offended, but as a pastor, I really don't want another religious book. I just don't. I, I don't. It's kind of like, uh, you know, giving a doctor a stethoscope. Like, I... I <laughs> is, is that bad for me to say that? I... I <laughs> I hope no one from my church is listening, is giving me a book. I, I, it's okay. I know anything I say is going to offend someone, but probably your pastor, specifically if he's pastoring or she's pastoring a church of under 200 people or bivocational, they might want a gift card to maybe the movies or maybe cash or just something they can spend on something fun, okay? Uh, so, uh, But again, you know, your pastor might be a much better person than me. I had a friend where they... Uh, they, their church got him a hot tub. That's pretty cool. But the way they announced that they got him a hot tub is they went to his house without asking him, and they uh, basically put a big hole in his deck, like a big hole. And then they left the hole there for several months or a couple months before they put a hot tub in there, and he had small kids, and he had to try to keep the kids from falling into the hole. So think it out, people. Make sure that the way you appreciate your pastor is the way that it'll feel like appreciation for your pastor. So just throwing that out there for you, we can all do better. Hey, one way you can appreciate me, I'm just throwing that out there, uh, is you can buy my book. Uh, the book is The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor. Again, uh, you can buy it, share it with friends. You can buy it in bulk. I don't care. I would love for you to read it. also makes a great doorstop. Uh, you can get that at Amazon. There's an Audible version. I couldn't get uh, James Earl Jones or uh, Morgan Freeman to do the audio for it, so it is my voice reading the book. But I think you'll enjoy it. And even if you don't enjoy it, hey, you bought the book, and that's all that matters, right? So I'd love for you to read it. Uh, you can get it at Amazon, or you can get it through my website, fairlyspiritual.org. And uh, I, I make a little bit more money uh, through uh, my own website. By the way, I'm, I'm not making any money off of this thing. You know what I mean? It's it's it's. This is not to make money. <laughs> I mean, you you make money, but you understand, 
there's other ways to make money, which would be just to go to work somewhere at minimum wage. The reality is <laughs> you don't write a book to make money. I mean, if I had a mega church, like 20,000, you could sell 20,000 copies, but that doesn't work when you pastor a church of 100. So uh, anyway, uh, let's get on with the topic at hand. So trending topics. Uh, this is just a premise that that I think is happening in our culture. I, w- I want to address it, is that I think we are being controlled or manipulated, or our agendas for life are being set by other people. They're being set by social media. They're being set by trending topics. They're being set by the world, and they might not be being set by God. And uh, I think there's a great scripture that kind of gives us this principle of how we should set our lives. And I want you to read this with me, if you could. So if you're listening in the car, it's time to pull over uh, to the side of the road. If you're biking right now, uh, you might want to pull over. Or if you can do two things at once, that's fine. But if you end in heaven because of a terrible accident, because you tried to read the Bible and drive, that's not on me. That's on you. And I believe if you do have angels trying to protect you, there are times where they're like, hey, you know what? We can only protect you so far. Stupid is. And, you know, we just can't We just can't condone some actions. I presume there's going to be a line in heaven with people who just were doing really dumb stuff, and they're just like, you know, why are you here? Well, I was trying to put on makeup while eating a burger while driving with my knees. And the angels just said, we can only protect so far. But anyway, uh, if you would, uh, open your Bibles, your iPad, uh, your phone to Mark eleven twenty-seven, And let me just read this to you. And they came again uh, to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking in the temple. Uh, the chief, excuse me, And as Jesus was walking in the temple, the chief priest and the scribes and the elders came to him, and they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they discussed it with one another, saying, you can just see, they went over into the holy huddle, just kind of, you know, looking at each other. And they look over and go, you could just see this picture here that's kind of laughable. I think when people read this scripture, they probably laughed hearing this scripture. So they discussed it amongst uh, each other. And it says uh, in verse 31, uh, if we say from heaven, he will say, why then did you not believe him? But shall we say from man? They were afraid of the people, for they all held that John really was a prophet. They don't even finish that sentence. They just look at each other and say, if we say this is from man, uh, these people aren't going to be happy. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Now, if ever Jesus had a twinkle in his eyes or just kind of that coy smile, it would be in one of these moments. If you see just a few verses earlier, Jesus had cleared out the temple, he had turned over tables, done a lot of stuff to provoke uh, the ire of the religious leaders. And at the end of that uh, event, it actually says that the religious leaders conspired to destroy him. That's the words the author uses, to destroy him. So now these religious leaders who are conspiring to destroy Jesus come to him with just this innocent question. Hey, uh, can you just tell us by what authority you do these things? Now, why are they asking Jesus this question? Do they care about his authority? Do they just want to know? Like, we just kind of want to know why you do things. No, their purpose is to destroy him. 
They want Jesus to say something that will look like blasphemy, that will give them the ability to charge him with blasphemy, to take him before the courts, to stone him, to crucify him, uh, to lead to his death. Now, ultimately, Jesus is going to die for our sins, but this is not the time. This is not the time for him to lay down his life, and he knows that. But he knows that the purpose of this interaction is to destroy him. It's not a clever conversation or just an interesting conversation on spiritual authority. So Jesus turns the question around and says, Hey, by what authority did John the Baptist baptize? And they know they're caught, because if they say that John the Baptist's authority comes from heaven, then they're aligning with John the Baptist, and John the Baptist aligned with Jesus, and that means they're aligning with Jesus, and that means they're validating John's authority, and they're validating Jesus' authority. So they can't do that. However, if they say that John had no authority, that his authority came from heaven, they're afraid that the people will destroy them. So their goal is to destroy Jesus. However, if they say that John's authority came from earth, then the people will destroy them. And so Jesus just looks at them with that wink. It's kind of like this. Hey, you, you want to destroy me? If you say what you really believe, the people will destroy you. So uh, what's it going to be? And so they say, oh, you know, we cannot say by what authority John did these things. And then Jesus basically says, well, then I cannot say or cannot answer the question that you have of me. And Jesus goes his own merry way with a smile, maybe a handshake, maybe a pat on the back saying, hey, nice talking with you. Let's have this conversation again another day. Now, when I look at this passage, there's lots of things you could talk about. But one of the things I love about it is that Jesus did not engage in their trending topic. Jesus did not follow what the Pharisees wanted them to follow, what the religious leaders wanted Jesus to follow. He did not allow them to set the agenda. You know, sometimes when we get in arguments with people, we're like, well, you know, they had a question, and I have to say the truth. And so there's a question, by what authority? You know, that's a legitimate question. What authority did John do things by? And Jesus, you know, Jesus is the truth, the light, and the way. So he's going to say, you know, I I don't care what the situation is. i got to speak the truth. Have you ever heard Christians do that? I've got to speak the truth. So he just starts saying, John's authority was from God. But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus doesn't say, no matter what situation I'm in, I've always got to speak the truth and engage the argument and answer the question. You know, be prepared to give an answer, right? You've even heard that scripture. The answer that Jesus is prepared to give is a coy one. Is one that doesn't allow the religious leaders to set the agenda. So he basically says, you know what? I'm not going to play your game. I'm not going to let you set the agenda of my life. I'm not going to let you set the agenda of this day. I have an agenda. I have a purpose. It's the Father's agenda. It's the Father's purpose. So why is this interaction with Jesus and the religious leaders important to us today? Well, I think it helps us with how we interact with the world. First, I look at Jesus was very concerned with the motivation behind the question of the religious leaders. And I think we should be far more concerned with motivations or the motivations behind the conversations we're having. So many interactions uh, through social media 
are not motivated for reconciliation. They're not motivated for understanding truth. Uh, they're not even motivated by the actual question. They're about trying to divide. They're about trying to convince you that I'm right and you're wrong. Uh, they're about trying to hurt someone, belittle. They're about preaching to the choir. They're about, I don't know, showing your ego and showing off to your other Twitter friends, but they're not actually about advancing the gospel and loving the people that you've been called to minister to. Motivations matter. And if we took that seriously, I think we would cut out a lot of wasted time. So many of our interactions, I don't really think we're called to engage in. It can look like we're advancing the gospel. It can look like we're engaged in spiritual activity, but it's really us just sitting around arguing about the authority of John's baptism when really there's something else going on that's much more deep and much more important. And in fact, because we engaged in that argument about John's baptism, we actually lost the purpose for the day. God has discernment that he has given us, and if we pray and discern through the Holy Spirit what the conversation is really about and what our purpose is really about, we won't engage in a lot of the garbage we engage in. So it matters, but sometimes I'll see this, well, you know, truth is truth, and someone has a question, and I got an answer, and I'm right, and, you know, I'm going to say the truth, and even Jesus says here, no, I'm just not going to engage in things, and I'd like to ask you, are there times when you hold your tongue? Do you just not engage in things? I've even met pastors where they're like, you know, I just got to tell it like it is, and I'm just going to be unfiltered, and I'm just going to contend for the truth, and I would politely say to them, well, you're not being Christ-like, because there are many times when Christ did not say anything. There are many times when Christ completely avoided engaging certain people. In every situation, Christ could have said, repent, you filthy sinner, but he didn't. Sometimes he just listened and said a very few words. Sometimes he just freed a man or freed a woman and said, go and sin no more. Other times he came in with very strong, rebuking words. It depended on the situation. It depended on the assignment. Sometimes he laid down his life, or maybe one time he laid down his life for the sins of all. And one time he came into the temple and he turned over the tables. So often you see people gravitate towards one expression or the other. Well, you know, Jesus turned over the tables in the temple, and that's why I'm a jerk all the time. Well, I'm sorry, but that's not what Jesus did all the time. In fact, he only did that once. And for the people that he got upset, he also laid down his life for them. So if you're going to turn over tables, then you also need to lay down your life for every single person that you've offended by turning over the tables. And if you're unwilling to lay down your life for those people, then please don't turn over any tables. If you're unwilling to serve and love them as Christ loved them, then don't go on that righteous crusade. Because the reality is the Holy Spirit will lead us in sometimes to show tremendous restraint. And then there's other times where we will speak, and our speaking will raise scorn from others and rejection and rebuke. There are times when people say, I want you to get in this conversation. I, I want you to get involved in this fight. And we say, no, I, I'm not going to get involved 
in this fight. This is not a fight worth being involved in. This is not my fight to be involved in, and people will judge you. But we need to know the motivations behind why people are interacting with us. A second one, and this is where I want to get to trending topics, who is setting the agenda of your life? If you don't have a purpose, if you don't have a clear agenda of what your life is about, you're going to let the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the trending topics of this world set the agenda of your life. And this is, to me, just one of the problems with the modern era. I think because we don't have a purpose, we don't have vision, we don't have a clear understanding of where we're going and what we're doing, we let the whims, we let the crises, we let the trending topics of this world set our agenda. And I'll just give you an example. Any trending topic. Let's say something like uh, professional football players kneeling or not kneeling during the national anthem. That's an important topic. It, it addresses all sorts of things in America. Race relations, uh, our view of government, our view of our current president. All, I'm not saying it's not an important issue. But I don't know if God, uh, a couple months ago, said, I want everyone to spend all their time focusing in on this, or uh, most everyone to spend all their time focusing in on this. Now, maybe focus in on it a little bit, or focus in on it with other things, but I don't know if God wanted every Christian to write a think piece on it, or every person to tweet and Facebook about it, or to continually tweet and Facebook about it. Now, even by putting that up, they say, well, Doug, you can say that, you're a white man, that's, yeah. And so even there, okay, I'll, I'll throw that out. Just pick any other topic. Every trending topic, what you're finding in our culture is we go from trending topic to trending topic, and we all focus in on it. And the reality is, these trending topics are important. But I don't know if we should be giving our best energy and our continual energy to every single trending topic. I don't know if God said, in the last days, I want every person to be giving their best energy and their continual energy to national trending topics. Now, even if you're upset with me on that, you say, well, Doug, you're minimizing these things. Here's the problem. There are other topics that we don't care about as much as we used to, and this is, to me, the bigger problem. Because we don't care about other things as much, these national trending topics are taking more and more importance in our life. Here's a reality. Local news is lousy now. At all levels, your local television news is lousy. It's not as good as it used to be. The local newspaper is lousy, not as good as it used to be. Now, and that's like your local, like the Seattle Times. We used to have two Seattle papers in the Seattle area. It's not as good. Less of a staff, more national news, less local news, less staff, right? But even go to local, like some of us used to have even local papers where you have the Seattle Times, but you have all kinds of little cities. And those little cities used to have their own newspapers. And those newspapers, most of those have gone out of business or they've been bought up and there's this local newspaper that you've read and you know has a terrible news section, right? It's understaffed. It has hardly any local news. Now, it used to be that people had much more awareness of what was happening locally around them. Now we don't. This is my issue about trending topics. Is it important? 
that we understand what's going on with NFL players kneeling during the national anthem. Yes, but is it more important than understanding what is happening with race relations in the Seattle area or in the cities around Seattle, in Kent or Renton or Tacoma? If you don't know the area, those are cities around Seattle or around your neighborhood. What is more important? What do you have more impact in? What can you change more? How much can I influence what's happening? Even let's say with events that occur in Charlottesville, I should know about that, yes. But there's a point where I really can't do much in Charlottesville, but I can do something in the Puget Sound region. What's happening with our trending topics is we're spending more and more in, uh, you know, of our time and our energy on these international trending topics. In fact, I used to do radio and every day I would look at this list of like the top 10 news stories and I realized almost all the news organizations were using the same aggregated news stories and we're all focusing in on the same 10 news stories and on the same issues. And we're focusing in on less and less issues, or fewer and fewer issues. Is it less or fewer? I don't know. The grammarians out there will tell me. But we're spending this time on, on fewer and fewer stories. And then what's happening closest to us, we're oblivious of. We don't even know what's going on in our own backyards. We don't know what's trending in our neighbors' lives. We don't know what's trending in our churches' lives. We're less connected to our churches than ever before. When we take communion, we don't know what's happening to the people who sit next to us. The Apostle Paul said, when you take communion, if you don't care about the needs of the people around you when you're taking communion, you're not even celebrating the Lord's Supper. It's where he rebuked the church because some people were drinking all the communion wine and eating all the food and others didn't have any. And he said, you know, if you're celebrating communion that way, you're not even celebrating the Lord's Supper because when you celebrate the Lord's Supper, you care about the needs of others in the body. We know about what's happening with the Kardashians. We know what's happening with NFL players. We know what's happening around the world, but we don't know what's trending locally. We don't know what's happening in our own neighborhoods. We don't know what's happening with our own families, and that's a problem. We're allowing these trending topics to set the agendas of our life. And I don't think when we wake up that God says, this is what I want you to focus in on. I want the whole world to focus in on 10 people or 10 news stories at the cost of the people that we have relationship with, of family members and brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and people in our church and in our neighborhood and our local city council and our local school board and teachers and, and, and actually the police that we're near. I get the police stories that we're frustrated with around the world, but are we going to be able to change those or can we interact with the police department down the road? Who's setting the agenda of your life? And if you look at it, we, we just, I, it's so much easier. We just, we're at home and we go and we look at trending topics and we find out about some story that happens in the world. And it's a good story. It's an interesting story. It's a story I have an opinion on and you have an opinion on. And so we write our post and you write your post and we go back and forth on these things and we think we've done something. But there's a problem with this. I don't know if God wanted all of us to interact with that thing. And while we're all spending our time interacting with that one thing, and maybe not much is changing, there are all these thousands and thousands of stories that are being neglected. And it's happening this way with Christian news as well. You know, I realized if I didn't have Twitter, I wouldn't know most of the churchy arguments that are happening in the world. 
I think it's Matt Walsh. Is he the conservative uh, Christian guy who writes these really negative Christian things? Okay, in my opinion, Matt Walsh is a very opinionated, he's kind of like, he's like a, a Rush Limbaugh Christian who writes provocative things that, in my opinion, are not very intelligent when it comes from a Christian perspective. You know, he has a right to his opinion. I would have never even have heard of him if it wasn't through Twitter. I, I would never have read anything he wrote. I never would have even stumbled upon him. But from people who didn't like him, they would share his post. I'd see something like, oh, I can't believe Matt Walsh said this dumb thing. And I'm doing it, by the way. Right now, I'm bringing him into the discussion. You can't escape this stuff, right? So I would hear, like, who's this Matt Walsh guy? Why does everybody not like him? You know, And, I, and, and so now I'm brought into this discussion where I care about some thoughts of one guy who doesn't have any greater education or greater understanding or greater wisdom. Isn't this, you know, he's just some guy. Who, who's become popular for his provocative and extreme statements. It's not right that he is swaying the conversations on social media. It, in fact, it's terribly wrong. It's a sign that we live in a broken world and that we waste our time on someone like him. Does, can he have his opinions? Great, but it should not be that disproportionate. You'll see whole weeks where Christians spend their time arguing Christianity Today did some article and now a bunch of people blog about that and post and they go back and forth and they all argue about it and it's a bunch of Christians arguing about some Christian minutia and it's just to me the most churchy thing you've ever heard of. And we're all spending our time on this and I think, I don't know if God wanted all of us to spend all our time on this issue when there's millions of people who could care less about any of this who just need Jesus. Are the issues important? Yes, but should they be the central focus of everyone's life? No, they shouldn't. But when you let trending topics set the agenda of your life, you get distracted. And that's the last point to me. If we don't know the path we're on, we can't know that we got off that path. If we're not settled in our mission, we don't know we've become unsettled. If we don't know who we are and why we exist, we won't learn that we've forgotten who we are and we've forgotten why we exist. And there's a problem. I really think we've forgotten who we are and what our mission is and what our purpose is. And not just in general, but what your mission is and what your purpose is. And your mission isn't just to respond to other people's posts and blogs and tweets. And my mission isn't just to respond to other people's posts and blogs and tweets that we're not just supposed to be a reaction to other people. You can tell I'm passionate about this. And am I a hypocrite in this? You bet. Even this show was a response to other people. It's hard to escape it. But I love what Jesus did here. Jesus is like, you know, I'm not going to get caught in that. I have a purpose and I have a plan. I have a reason for existence. And it's not for you to set the agenda for my life. One of the reasons I went into Christian media, I'm trying to create something here. I try to, I, I wrote my own book that's not a response to other people. Like, I, there's all kinds of people writing about what's wrong with the church. So I wrote this pretty complex theological book about how the church is structured throughout the Old and New Testament, how community is to be formed, and it's not attractive to people. If I'd just written a book about what's wrong with the world and reacting to the trending topics of this world, I would have sold three times as many copies. But the fact that I'm writing something that's actually promoting and, and actively sharing ways to solve things, it's not attractive to this world. I get it, but I'm trying my best to do something, to advance a dialogue, to, to move something forward, to transform, to change the world. 
But one of the reasons I got into this where I where I do podcast and I guest speak and I have my little site fairly spiritual and I write and and all these things and teach is I remember once I saw something Oprah Winfrey did and she wrote something or did something. I just didn't like it. And and I wrote this piece about what was wrong with what Oprah Winfrey had done. And and the piece was good. And I got more people looked at this post about what was wrong with Oprah Winfrey than anything I'd written. They just loved it. They loved how Doug was able to point all the things that were wrong with what Oprah Winfrey had just said. They just loved it. They shared it with their friends, and they posted it, and they said, Doug, you're so right. I disagree with Oprah, too. I'm glad someone else could talk about how bad Oprah is. And and I was just, man, it was so easy to get people to like me when I did a post about what is wrong with Oprah Winfrey. And I just felt bad. There was nothing wrong with the post, but I just felt bad. And I thought, I don't want to live my life where I'm just nipping at the heels of other people. I don't want to be nipping at the heels of other people. I don't want to be someone who's just a reaction to other people. I want to be on this earth to do what God has called me to do. I want to be an action, not a reaction. I don't want to just be a critic. I don't want to be a spectator. I want to actually be out there doing what God has called me to do. It is so easy to judge the rest of the world. I'm going to try as best as I know how to facilitate and to express and to demonstrate a model of faith that others can be drawn to or be repelled from. But I'm not just going to sit around and wait for other people to do stuff and then criticize what they're doing. And yes, when I feel like the Holy Spirit calls me to speak against things or to speak for a better way, I'm going to do that. But even when I speak against that thing, I'm still going to give a better answer. So I'm not just going to write post after post about what's wrong with the prosperity gospel and why I don't like some megachurch pastor. I'm going to also say, here's what I think prosperity is, and here's what I think true spiritual health is. I'm not just going to be a negation. I'm not just going to be a reaction. And that's what this world does. This world just turns us into reactions and negations and arguments. We just become bitter Pharisees following other people around, waiting for them to say something wrong, jumping on it, saying what they did wrong, and a bunch of people go, hurrah, great response. I'm going to share that with others. I, too, agree with you about how awful that person is. I don't like Joel Osteen either. Yay, we can all agree how much we don't like Osteen, and we can all agree how much we think that pastor sold out, and we can all agree how much we don't like that megachurch this, and, and we don't like that guest speaker, and we don't like that theology, and we can all gather in our holy huddles. But I don't think we were created for that. I think we were created to follow Jesus and to be emanations of his glory and to express a better dialogue to advance the kingdom of God. And when we speak against what's wrong, to always have an answer for what is right. That's the question I have for you and the question for me. Am I just following trending topics? Are you just following trending topics? Or when you wake up in the morning, are you listening for the voice of God? Actually, if you just wake up in the morning, it's probably too late. When you go to bed at night, do you know why you exist and your purpose for life and your purpose for living? Because if you don't, you're going to go to Twitter, you're going to go to Facebook, you're going to go to the news, and you're going to let someone else set the agenda for your life. If you let someone else set the agenda for your life, you're going to be sidetracked. You're going to be derailed by discussions about the authority of John the Baptist when there's a bigger purpose for your life. 
God has given you permission. I so love it. Jesus has given you permission that sometimes people want you to engage in a conversation and you just smile and you say, you know what? I'm not going to answer that. That's going to destroy me and I don't want to take part in it. I've got a better purpose for today and I'm going to spend my best energy on that, not on you. I'm going to spend my best energy on what God created me to do today. God has a purpose and a plan for me today, and it's not to engage in that. All right. I think I did a little ranting today. Thanks for listening to the end. By the way, not many listen to the end. There's just a few people who listen to this podcast. So if you love it, please share it. I'm going to keep doing it if some people listen. The best way to support this is I'd love it if you could buy my book and share it with others. It would mean a lot to me. Helps me keep going. Helps this ministry keep going. You can go to fairlyspiritual.org. You can pick up the book there, or you can get it at Amazon. Uh, I almost said Amazon.com. You can find Amazon. You know where that is. Uh, Hey, this music is from my brother, Dan Bursch. You can pick up his music on iTunes. Make room for the Lord. He knows you by name. He has a purpose and a plan for your life. Let God's trending topic for your life be his purpose and his plan undefiled by the momentary whims of this world. See you when we meet next time. They say that I cannot do what you've called me to. It is not possible, unattainable. I will never see it through, but you've spoken by My dreams with you